You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, this is the projectionist of Smicha. Uh, this is the second part of the discussion that we had uh, the other night with uh, Mark Gottlieb and Yitzhak Kolakowski. It's not much of a discussion, this section you're going to hear. Uh, it's mostly a monologue that uh, I put forth about Cary Grant and about the film um, people will talk. Uh, there are some, uh, I guess, some conversation at the end and a little bit of uh, politics, uh, which is not what we're trying to do, but it sort of lent itself to it. So, uh, and I think uh, any conversation that I think uh, gets people interested is always worthwhile having. Uh, so this is the second part. So get ready for um, quite a bit of carry. Uh, but the one who somehow is able to, to enrapture you with his personality and somehow uh, can, in a way, play himself continuously. And of course, there's John Wayne, but I think Cary Grant has to be the, the, the ultimate movie star. Um, and, and what's so incredible, if you think about it, in, in, in all his films, Cary, you know, unlike other Brits who have, who have mastered uh, uh, an American accent, I'm sure you know he was. A, I think he was. A, uh, I think he was born in a Cockney neighborhood, but but you can tell he's not. That's not the way an American speaks. And yet, Cary Grant was consistently cast as a guy from the Midwest. He was cast as someone from California, from New York, and and nobody blinked over the fact that this guy does not sound like somebody from 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 America. Yet America loved him. It was obviously his his looks. Uh, the way he, the way he was able to carry himself, you know, the way he looked in a suit, <laughs> the way and, and and his ability to to uh, to do comedy and drama was incredible. Um, now, you know, Cary Grant, very, you know, he was a very big egoist. You know, he 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 refused to get, you know, Olivier, um, even um, Redford. You know, took Pitt, I think he took some roles in, in some of the Marvel movies as uh, I think he plays uh, uh, or something or other, right? You know, even you know, uh, matinee idols like Redford and Paul Newman, of course, let himself get old. Carrie knew that when he would not be the, the, the main uh, locus of the picture, he wasn't going to be in Hollywood anymore. He had worked so well. And saving his money, he was an incredible cheapskate, and he had invested things so well that he could retire. So after he makes Walk, Don't Run, look, he's already uh, clear into his 60s. He wasn't going to start dyeing his hair. He wasn't going to start, you know, uh, you know, and, he, and what he also didn't want was that every film he should make, everybody could see the stunt double. He didn't want to do that either. So he didn't want to just be some sort of like, you know, um, uh, you know, some sort of like, uh, you, know, oh, you know, Max von Sydow, old guy, uh, or who, who has some sort of cameo. He just hangs up the spurs um, and, and he goes off into the sunset. Um, Hollywood gives him an Academy Award. He never won an Academy Award. In 1970, I remember watching that award show and when Carrie came out. 
Uh, he was fully gray at the time already, and he got the standing O. But w- what's incredible is that Hollywood overlooked the, the, the 40-something years of performances that he gave. Um, and I, I want to talk about one specific film and one specific uh, performance. Um, I don't think it's the ultimate Cary Grant performance. Um, and, and let me explain why. Uh, the, the greatest director, <laughs> American director, was also a Brit. All uh, apologies to Ford, uh, but it's Hitch. Hitch, who comes over to America, is the great is the greatest American directing film. Like although he was a Brit, Hitch knew that Cary had a an aspect to him that was inscrutable and possibly evil. Now he ca- in, in, in in suspicion, he seems to be a a, 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 a guy out on the make in order to kill Joan Fontaine, who is this heiress who he's going to murder, right? And you sort of know that, uh, even though he sort of, you know, he saves her in the last minute, but you realize that he is a murderous person. Hitch did the same thing in, in, in a film that, again, I think is one of the greatest American films ever made, which is Notorious, where, you know, Cary Grant plays uh, a, a CIA agent who is, who is, um, uh, has aspects that are cruel, uh, that are that are, are downright uh, uh, dismissive and and, and 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 dehumanizing. He's not sweet, and yet he's still this incredible person that that that, that you want to connect to. And that is, and of course, North by Northwest, which is there's even though here you know you're always sympathetic to him because you realize he's a man accused of doing something he didn't do. But he's but he's embroiled in something that is, in a way, something he deserves because he's such an empty character that he's sort of getting the fate that he deserves. So in other words, Hitch understood that there's aspects of, of sort of like a dark side to carry. There's a dark side to him. He isn't just the suave, juty, 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 you know, and, and sweep off your feet. There's something there that is not that could be off kilter the, in the same that aspect of, of, of Carrie is on display in this film from 1951, uh, directed by Joseph Mankiewicz. Now, Joseph Mankiewicz is, 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 was a very prolific director, a Jewish fellow, uh, Tom Mankiewicz's brother. Tom Mankiewicz, of course, was the screenwriter. He was known as a literary director because he took a lot of, um, you know, he, he put a lot of exposition into his films and he was, his dialogue was considered adult and, and, and that is true. Letter to Three Wives and other films that, that, that Joseph Mankiewicz made. I mentioned No Way Out, uh, the race riot film that was the first film for Sidney Poitier a number of weeks ago. In this film, he took a material um, uh, based on a, um, uh, a, a, a German novel uh, that was eventually adapted into a film in 1950 by, I think it was Carl Gotz, called Dr. Pretorius. And this was a, 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 a film that highlighted the most noble doctor you could think of, a doctor who cared about human beings. Uh, it's true that what Guts was trying to, Getz was trying to uh, emphasize was that we, enter, we have entered an era that we are treating human beings as if they are pieces of meat. We are just becoming hyper-specialized. Our scientific advancements are outpacing our humanity. And this was a doctor who was different. 
This was a doctor who treated human beings, whose, 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 whose ability to talk to people and understand where they were coming from was his prime tool in curing them, along with what he understood of, of, of medicine and, and, and the scientific advancements. That's this character, Noah Pretorius, that Mankiewicz decided to keep the original German sort of sounding European name and clunk it onto Cary Grant. Now, in this film, uh, Pretorius is, um, is, is an extremely popular, um, the, uh, a, a very popular teacher in a university uh, which has a medical, uh, medical university. Uh, he also is rich enough to have his own clinic uh, and this clinic, of course, is all for women, where he treats a women's clinic, uh, everything from geriatrics to, obstet- to obstetrics. Um, and he, uh, he drives a huge car, uh, and he is able to operate this clinic at the same time, teach at this university, and also be the university's uh, um, conductor of their orchestra. Now, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, that Hollywood loved to do was to somehow have the, the actual orchestra, whether it was Bernard Herrmann or, or, or whoever it was, to play in the film. You know, the, you know, the actual orchestra that would score the film would somehow be featured, at least physically represented by players in the film. So Kerry is not only this incredible doctor, this who gets who, who's able to always say the right thing to every patient who can cure anyone because he cures the person and not necessarily the symptom. But he's also a person who is actually he directs at various points in the film. He's he direct he conducts a Johannes Brahms Johannes Brahms academic festival overture, um, and um, that's and, and, and the final shot of the film is actually uh, you know I don't think Cary Grant knew how to uh, conduct a, maybe Alfred Newman gave him some pro, you know tips of how to do it, but you can see the the simcha of of classical music of of Johann Brahms uh, classical music uh, like the, the the great values of uh, of of that we, that that Bankowitz is trying to trumpet here because in 1951, as at the height really of the House on American Committee investigations into Hollywood, and Mankiewicz at that point was the head of the Directors Guild, it's clear that this is meant to be uh, a commentary upon that because. Uh, there is a investigator, a McCarthy-like fellow, but again, not big like Joe McCarthy, but Hume Crone, who plays the, um, you know, again, the names are so clearly, you know, meant to uh, indicate their personality. Uh, I think his, his name is Professor Elwell, right? Elwell is the professor. Hume Crone had played a, a, a sadistic character in Brute Force uh, earlier, but in this in this film, he's Although he, 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 he indicates malevolence, unfortunately, he's not much of a villain, but he's the closest thing we got. So he's investigating uh, Cary Grant in Pretorius, discovering what his past was and how everything that happened in his past um, and, and his rise to, 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 to wealth are reasons to discredit him from the university. Um, and uh, it, 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 it turns out that... Um, that uh, the romance story doesn't discredit him. Uh, this was a film where uh, it's the first time Yitzchak I remember uh, the use uh, of pregnancy in a film. 
most of the time in the 30s and 40s, if somebody is expecting, you're going to have a baby. Here, the term being pregnant, which was considered almost uh, obscene, <laughs> was, was used often. Uh, and, and there was actually even a hint uh, of, of an abortion where, where uh, you know, uh, Pretorius, Carrie, uh, meets this young woman who is, uh, who is obviously pregnant from somebody who went off to war or somebody who was a serviceman. They don't say that he's dead, but she doesn't have any connection to him anymore. She's carrying some, a baby and she's embarrassed about it. You know, the typical Hollywood trope here is that, of course, this, is a, this thing will, she wants to kill herself because she knows she's pregnant and she can't tell her, 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 her father about it. And because her father, you know, this would kill him to know how, how, what sort of uh, wanton woman she has become. And that, that, that's a part of the film which, which obviously doesn't ring true and it's not really, uh, it doesn't jive with the rest of the, you know, semi, you know, what we would call adult uh, dialogue. But, you know, Hollywood had to do that. Then. You know, they couldn't in any way put a blind eye against, you know, of somebody, uh, you know, having a child out of wedlock. It couldn't just be a nothing. But what the film is, 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 is powerful enough to do is that, of course, you know, Cary Grant understands that he is going to, um, that he is going to marry her, you know, Cary Grant, but he doesn't marry her out of, uh, out of a sense of duty. It turns out that there's enough of a love story there to sort of explain what what uh, Pretorius sees in her and how she has pluck and how she has a certain um, courageous and intelligence that he finds uh, drawn to. I, I can't say that, look, the truth is, is that, you know, you got to be very special to have Cary Grant interested in you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think, mo- you know, Ingrid Bergman uh, was able, like a notorious, to match him. I think Carrie is so good looking and he's such a catch that you, it always stretches believability, you know, that he actually cares. You know, he made a number of films with Irene Dunn that were, you know, like uh, The Awful Truth and some other films that are considered classic. But, but, it's, but, but Carrie is so, uh, you know, in a way you wonder, you know, why would Carrie want her? You know, <laughs> so I, I think anytime Carrie Grant is involved in, you know, again, Grace Kelly is a different story. You know, she also has that special quality. But I think that's part of the reason why the love story doesn't really ring true. Um, uh, but still, he marries her, uh, and he's this incredible husband, like a, like almost a superstar. Uh, it, it also has, uh, for me, you know, the, the supporting cast. I'm just going to mention three people in the supporting cast. I already mentioned, of course, Hume Crone, who I think is somewhat wasted. But there's three people in the supporting cast that you just got to love. First of all is Walter Slezak. Walter Slezak made a career of playing, you know, either ominous or humorous uh, characters of European origin. In this film, he plays an atomic scientist uh, who, in his heart, is just, you know, some German who just loves eating Wiener schnitzel. I guess they must have somehow spirited him away from Germany and brought him into America to work on the atomic bomb or something. But he, but he clearly is, there's not a Nazi bone uh, in his body. Uh, you know, he, he, you're not going to get away with calling Slezak a Jew, but you know he he does a great turn. Uh, he has a lot of the best comic lines, and again, Slezak is always a treat whenever you see him. Uh, whether he plays you know grimy, ugly, or comedic, uh, he's going to give you 100. Um, percent There's also uh, a, 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 in the first five minutes of the film, they must I don't know how they got her, but Margaret Hamilton shows up. 
as 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 Pretorius's old uh, housekeeper who knows some deep secrets about him. Her scene with Hume Crow in the beginning is is, is worth the price of admission itself. Uh, the the sort of like the angling between them uh, and, and and her presumptions about her femininity are, are really hilarious. And again, anytime you got the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> it's always great to see her in anything. Again, she was really uh, such a powerful character. And uh, again, you know, <laughs> you know, you're just waiting for her to say, and you're a little dog too. Um, it also has, uh, and you're going to be surprised about this. This is, I guess, a little vintage TV talk. Um, the, she has Jean Crane, who plays the uh, the love interest. She's living sort of under lock and key, uh, but Cary Grant saves her. Uh, but she's living under lock and key of of her uncle. Now her dad, um, you know, is, is a real fine fellow, sort of a narrow person who never succeeded in anything, but is somewhat of an intellectual. Her uncle is 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 is, is your typical miserly, um, uh, you know, aggressively small minded farmer who uh, doesn't mind, you know, who might spout things about uh, America first and the Bible, but is secretly guilty of all sorts of tricks on his income tax. Uh, and that's played by Will Wright. Um, and I know this character because he played Ben Weaver in, 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 in the Andy Griffith show. Ben Weaver was the, uh, was the materialist con- uh, um, uh, in, in Mayberry. You know, May- every character in Mayberry is, is basically um, benign and a wonderful character. The, the drunk, you know, the barber, right? the, the sheriff and the deputy, like everybody in, in Mayberry, the hillbillies, the guys that come in, but they had the one heavy. Sometimes they would have the mayor who, who, who sort of played two sides of the fence, but Will, uh, Will Wright plays Ben Weaver, who is the capitalist owner of the the larger sort of grocery store. Uh, and there's a number of episodes that he gets his comeuppance and has to learn uh, to be less of a Scrooge figure. So Ben Weaver, the, the Will Wright is in this film too, uncredited, but, uh, you know, I, I think the man was born old because, you know, he's, he plays this um, crusty old figure and it's just a, a, a delight uh, to see these, these, you know, these, these experts really, doing their thing. It's almost like at a chasana sometimes when, you know, everybody dances in front of the kala, you know, you have Cary Grant is obviously, you know, the, the king of this, of this, uh, of this wedding, but everybody's going to get their chance to sort of like do a little spin or kazatska. And, and, and I think this film allows that to happen. Uh, there's one other part I just want to end with. And, and, and really the main mystery of the film is that uh, there, there's sort of like a lurch like a figure that accompanies um, Dr. Pretorius around everywhere. He's a sort of a manservant, but not. And, 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 and instead of, you know, uh, Carrie dismissing him, he, he treats him with this incredible respect. Uh, and, and, and he seems to almost be a supernatural character. He's called Shunderson. We don't know his first name. Uh, he's old, he's large. Um, his accent is hard to place. And his the mystery of who Shunderson is. He's he's able to tame angry dogs. And what is it about him? Right? There's almost even the intimation that there might be a, a gay relationship 
between uh, Pretorius and him. Of course, the film couldn't really go that way, but 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 the whisperings about him sort of like indicate that that might be something going on. Like, what's going on? Like, why is this man there? Are they engaged? And you know, he's a bachelor. I mean, he ends up marrying this 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 woman. Um, and and the denouement of the film is really about and um, is about why Shunderson stays with him. And and it, it turns out that. Um, you know, without spoiling too much, you know, that Shunderson uh, was someone who himself had uh, had committed murder. Um, and uh, he was framed for a murder he didn't commit. Um, and he spent uh, 15 years uh, in prison. Uh, and it turns out that when he gets out, again, Shunderson tells this in exposition at the end of the film, but it turns out that he... Um, uh, you know, he argued that he can't be sentenced for murdering someone that he already went to prison for. The fellow he supposedly murdered is alive. <laughs> so he thought he had a right to kill the guy because he already went to prison for killing him. <laughs> the guy could have saved his life and, and, and brought him back. But uh, the way the film goes, Shunderson was hanged in, in Canada. And um, somehow... As we know uh, from uh, as, Mo- as as Mendelssohn knew, <laughs> sometimes people that are put to death aren't really dead, and sometimes after they after it appears they're dead, they really aren't. So uh, it turned out that you know twenty years earlier, he was sent to uh, to Pretorius as a cadaver, but when <laughs> but when he starts working on him, he realizes that he's still alive. So. So this was the character that since um, the first thing he saw after his, his death was this doctor who arranged for his body to be transported to him so he could work on a cadaver and learn what it was, the, the human organs, this man actually becomes not a cadaver, becomes his closest confidant and friend. The, the, so I was watching this with my wife. And, and, and she's because we love Cary Grant and I knew it would make her in a good mood to see Cary. And she said to me, but it's wrong. Right? Like, how could they how, at the end of the film, they, the guy, he's still a murderer. Right. And, and it's interesting, you know, that, that this is sort of like the 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 ultimate surprise character. This guy who is, in a sense, a cadaver, but really more human than all you know, many of the doctors around him. And um, it's a, uh, it's really, again, it doesn't necessarily align with what we expect, you know, typical Hollywood morality to be, you know, it's not like they, the police come and and take him away. You know, he, you know, he ends up living like it's one big happy family, um, you know, with, with, with the doctor, his, 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 his young wife. (laughs) One of the things which, which it's interesting, Hollywood didn't have a problem with was that Cary Grant was always copping around with younger women, you know what I'm saying? You know, Jeannie Crane, Grace Kelly, these, these, these girls were 30, clearly much younger than him. And even in the film, Cary's gray is, is obvious there. And, um, and he ends up making this great family, uh, him, his wife, uh, the, uh, the, the wife's father, who he saves from the cruel brother, <laughs> along with this sort of like ghastly fellow who is the sweetest, uh, you know, uh, manservant around, uh, and the devil dog. And, and, they, and, and, and they have a constant uh, guest 
is, you know, is, is, is Walter Slezak who comes in to eat liverwurst all the time. So, I mean, this is like this, this, this incredible little family together. Um, and, and what they end up doing, you know, in their spare time is, 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 is um, playing with toy trains. You know, they all, each of them have these, these, these very complex uh, scale model toy trains that they are all playing with. And, and I, I think what Mankiewicz is trying to say is that this is the type of people we need. That, that, that America is, is, we're becoming small-minded, we, we are uh, uh, obsessing, we are trying to find out about things, we are suspicious about each other, we are, we are allowing uh, the same things you were talking about, Mark, in terms of uh, the, um, the exploitation, the consumerism, the consumerism of the 50s. This was a, a film that wanted to harken back and say, this is the type of healer, the type of person we need, the type of Renaissance man. Uh, where classical music and, and old-fashioned train sets and, and nobility and doing the right thing, all of those, uh, all of those things are sort of packaged together. Now, what, what the film was very well um, uh, reviewed by the New York Times and others, but the, but, but the box, it was a box office flop. You know, it was a box office flop. And, and, and after, you know, Cary Grant felt after this film and another film that he made that he wanted, he thought he wanted to stop making movies. And for three years, he refused to take any films because he thought he was finished. He thought that, you know, he thought that in a way he was too old, that he didn't get it. And I think he, I, I think he didn't want to keep on playing this type of, you know, basically a super version of himself, which is what, you know, which is what I think what this film is. But, I, but, but uh, you know, you, you, Mark, we commented on the difference between uh, um, you know, v, uh, Michael Corleone and Tony Soprano, or the difference between Michael and Don Corleone. Let me... Uh, Don Vito. And Vito. Let me, let me contrast another Brit who plays one of the most popular doctors on, um, uh, on American TV later, Hugh Laurie as Gregory House. Now, I don't know if this is a character that you are familiar with, but you know that this was a television series that that for years was at the top of its uh, top of, of the ratings. It was one of Fox's uh, most impressive shows. And here you have a doctor who basically, uh, Hugh Laurie, who is an incredible actor, really an incredible actor. He can act the pants off of Cary Grant in some ways. Right. I mean, he could, right, he could almost do anything. No, no elegance. No, it's all the character was. A kind of, you know, crass, just non, non charm. The opposite of charming. The opposite. That's what of- I mean, and that's and, and and that was sort of like what 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 we were seeing. No bedside manner. I'm right. only going to treat. I don't care about the person. It's all about the disease. It's all about the possibility. It's all about discovering the puzzle. And I think it's interesting that you know in the 1950s there was a, there was almost like um, a, a search for new heroes a search for new heroes among, you know, after the war was over. And this was Mankiewicz's attempt to sort of like take Pretorius and, and project that. And that's what, maybe that's what we, we need to have. And yet you, again, looking 60 years later, you can see that, the, that the, the doctor that was so, people were so enamored was, was the, was, was the brilliant diagnostician, not the one who really cares about the person, not the one who's noble, not the one who really is able to, you know, to, to put, again, still in some ways committed incredibly to his craft and to, to cracking the case, but, 
but, but, but to the point of browbeating, dismissing, everyone is a liar. Nobody, everybody lies. Death is inevitable. There's nothing we can do about it. We're not going to fight death. Whereas in, 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 in People Will Talk, which is a terrible title for the film. I'm saying, who wants, do you want to see a movie called People Will Talk? I don't think so, right? You know, like, who cares? But yet, one of the arguments that's made is, is that we have to fight death. That death is something that we need to, to work against. It's something that, that, that is going to challenge us. And yet we have to be able to live life, to be able to appreciate life, to be able to forgive and understand, to be able to elevate. Um, and, and in that way, I, I think this film, uh, it really is uh, uh, underlooked. And in many ways, it might be using Cary Grant as the tool. I think uh, as someone so beloved uh, that I, I think that you know, maybe he's not the right messenger. But I think for me, I think for others to discover it, I think they discover within that some life affirmation and some and some hope. Um, you know, we we are today really in a swirl of of of, of, of conflicting medical issues. It, 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 it's 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 a jungle out there. We don't know, right? And 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 we have we have, the. I, I thought for a while, Mark, I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but I thought for a while that there was going to be, as COVID began and as, as, as the heroes began to emerge, there would be uh, a, a sort of like an, an immense appreciation and, and, and a realization. And of course, you have doctors in your family about, about that profession. I don't know. I'm not sure where things are going there. There seems to be such a, a spirit of mistrust um, in, 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 uh, in, in that area. No? Confusion, mistrust, lack of clarity, it, it, is, it is hard to understand. Uh, to the point that, that the people that we looked at, whether it was Pretorius or Ben Casey or Marcus Welby or, or any of those, you know, the, the, the people that we looked at in dedication, we, we don't deny that, that, that they're still doing incredible work, but we seem to be in, in, in a place where... The other Tony tonight, Tony Fauci... <laughs> Yes. Yes. Again, I, I don't know. I mean, look, you know, I know Yitzhak, you have some opinions on this too, but you know, it, it seemed in the beginning of the, uh, of, of, of everything, you know, I loved what was happening with Fauci. The fact that the, you know, the, our world, the, the Torah world was turning to him and was looking to him for advice. I, you know, as this, this situation continues, there's so much cynicism and, and dismissiveness. I'm not sure what the antidote is. Maybe a little bit of, Mark, maybe a little bit of positivity again and dipping into the old Hollywood well uh, can help out on that. Cary Grant, Cary Grant. <laughs> Cary, the, world, the world cannot be all bad if there is a Cary Grant. Right, definitely, 100%. All right, that's it. My- Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.